Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan with the Startup to Scale podcast here. And today I have on my guest, Benjamin Stein with the SMBX. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Happy to be here. I'd love for you just to give a a quick introduction um, to yourself, and then we'll jump into uh, today's topic, which is going to be about how to fund your business when you are starting out and growing. So before we get into those details, I'd love just for you to give a, a quick intro. Yeah, so my name is Ben Stein. I lead business development right now at uh, SMBX. And for the last two years have been scaling SMBX. Um, We've, you know, helped, I think, 50 customers. You know, we started in 2020, which is not the best time to start a lending company. Uh, But since then, we've done about $4 million of investment through our platform, uh, are growing every day. I've helped about 50 businesses, and I think we have probably another 25 in the pipeline. So things are, are moving and they're moving quickly. I love that. So SMBX is a debt crowdfunding platform, uh, which is different than like equity crowdfunding, but both of these are super new to the industry and regulation. Um, talk a little bit about what debt crowdfunding is. So after the 2008, I think financial crisis, um, Congress passed this jumpstart our business Business Startups Act or the Jobs Act, um, which started to reduce the regulation around retail investors participating in private investments. And so this may be a really long-winded way to, to give folks the history of crowdfunding, but I think it's really interesting. So like over the course of those years, they introduced a couple different pieces, Title I, Title II, and Title Three, which is the most important part, which is Reg CF. And what Title Three does is it allows it, it allowed for businesses to raise funds from unaccredited investors, right? Most folks went out and built what you described earlier, which is an equity crowdfunding platform. Now I can go to my community. I can say, come buy a portion of my company, 5% or whatever that is, right? I can price that round and I can have fractional ownership, right? Of a bunch of individual investors, right? Instead of one large investor. Uh, Opened up access to capital in a new way. Uh, but for most investors, I think that feels a lot like a lottery ticket. You're kind of trying to find, um, you know, the blue bottle or or these businesses very early on, right? The Facebooks of CPG, um, and so it's really, you know, that it's that traditional idea of like one in a thousand make you a return, right? Or one in a hundred. Um, so what we did is we looked at that, and we're like, well, I actually we actually thought it was a, is more interesting on the debt side. Um, right now, banks make a lot of the lending decisions, right? If you think about a, how a bank works, they keep our capital, right? Then in our checking and savings account, they lend that out to small businesses and then small businesses pay that back and the bank keeps the interest. Um, but we don't get any say what's happening with our money. And so what we did was there are all these amazing CPG businesses out there and businesses in general that communities want to invest in. They want those businesses in their community, but we don't have any way to put our money into that, that isn't on the equity side. And so that's why we invented the small business bond, which functions, you know, a lot like a loan, except instead of interest being paid to a bank, it's, um, it's paying to members of your community. Yeah, I think that's great because like a lot of people don't realize that large corporations essentially issue bonds to, you know, into the market already. 
And now this is a tool that's available to smaller companies and to, uh, to retail investors to be able to do so. Um, You're exactly right. I, I think that's so important <laughs> for folks to realize is like Apple, Google, even municipalities, right? Corporations can just go say, hey, I want to raise $5 million. I'm going to issue $5 million worth of bonds on the public markets, right? Wall Street or the bond markets and P- retail investors can just go buy those. Small and businesses, small and medium businesses don't didn't have that same opportunity up until SMBX. So a lot of what we're trying to do is equate and give small businesses the same tools that these big companies do in terms of accessing capital in a way outside of you know selling a portion of your business. So along with that too, when do you think uh, equity crowdfunding is a better option for companies versus debt crowdfunding? It's a great, great question. Um, and it's, it's complex, right? And I think you probably have some thoughts on these, which I'd love to hear as well. You know, for me, I think it's going to go down into, you know, how much ownership you want to retain and what the growth opportunity is, you know, for your business. A really good example of that is not every business needs to scale to like $100 million in sales or be a billion dollar business to be profitable and provide a lifestyle for an owner. And so uh, I think it's important to understand what your goals are when you're starting your business. It is totally fine. And we as an American society, uh, as a society, right? But like culturally, I think we need to be okay with like finding a way to build a business that covers you and your employees and provides a certain lifestyle and doesn't need to, you know, have this forever expanding like desire. Um, But Ben, bigger's always better. (laughs) They want you to think that, I feel like, right? I mean, most folks do. Um, In that instance, I think, but in that same sense, like equity can be very valuable there, right? As long as you're setting that expectation with your investors correctly. Um, And I think you have the ability to get there, right? It's somebody who's done that before. Um, Debt on the other side is going back to the roots of lending. For folks who might not have access to that capital originally, or maybe you don't have a bunch of rich friends who have the opportunity to say, I'm going to put $25,000 into your business. And if I don't see anything from that ever, that's okay. And also it's like an all or nothing play, right? I either get all my capital back plus some, right? Or I probably get nothing. And that's all going to happen in seven to 10 years. Well, as an entrepreneur, how many people do you know in your network that actually have access to that type of capital and can take that type of risk? That's like a really important question I ask folks. Um, Now, equity can certainly be a valuable tool to unlock like a strategic investor, right? Somebody who uh, wants to invest in your business, who has brought businesses into Walmart and successfully like gone through that process to write to provide distribution. Amazing opportunity. and, And I would advocate heavily for giving somebody, you know, equity in your company to unlock that opportunity or somebody who understands manufacturing and production, right? and can help you scale and figure out the equipment you need, or maybe it's on the marketing side, right? It's the strategic advisor mixed with an investor where there's additional value there other than access to capital. Um, Debt on the other hand is I think this tool for folks who um, might have folks who can invest in their company, but can't wait five to seven years, can't wait a really long time for those returns to happen. But at the same time, I think maybe feel, you know, in the SMBX sense, maybe you feel a pull away from working with a bank. Uh, We know banks don't like to lend to certain people based on uh, who their partners are, what they look like, right? And a whole bunch of other crazy factors. And they've had, you know, at least in my lifetime, you know, I was taught about this stuff growing up. 
it's been 30 years in my lifetime alone. I can't imagine what happened before that. Um, and so, you know, I like the idea of debt because I think it goes back to the root of lending. Give me a dollar, I'll give you $2 back, right? Or give me a dollar, I'll give you a dollar twenty back. I love that. And here's where I think it's really interesting. And, you know, I've learned from my experience and, and watching other founders, right? Like when I was building my, my company T-Squares, we had this approach of like, all right, we're going to scale the company really fast and hopefully sell in five years. And I can tell you for 95% of the companies that does not happen. And so what happens to the rest of them? Some fail going out of business trying. A lot of them end up in a situation where they're like, okay, I thought my goal was to grow really fast and then sell. That's not going to happen. Or so it's going to take 20 years instead of five years. Now, what do I need to do to build a sustainable company? And how do I change that? And a lot of times they may or may not have taken on equity at the beginning and realize they need to be, get to a point where they have to grow, um, well, I'll call it profitably, but at a point where like your business can sustain itself, right? There's a lot of businesses who are growing at a way that is relying on investor money, where if that investor money dries up, no one's giving them a loan. They're not making enough profit to support their business and they will collapse. Yeah, you're exactly right. You can get into what well, we call it like in the tech world, it's called the seed hole. That's, mm -hmm. that's like my name for it, right? You have enough capital to survive. You have this like two to $3 million round, right? That, that you raise initially to, to get the lights on, but it's not enough to like do everything. So you have to be really strategic with what you do. And if you don't choose the right things to do, um, then you're stuck in this seed hole. You always have to raise a little bit more capital. I just need a little bit more equity investing to go be able to do the next thing, but that next thing never really unlocks that next level of growth. And so I think regardless of how you're raising capital, you need to be really, really strategic about how you use it. Equity capital is generally used to do one of two things. Invest in a factory, not a lab, right? It is a factory that can continue to produce returns, right? In a sustainable business. I know that I can sell two of these and make them or sell things for $2, make things for $1. And I'm raising equity so that I can make more things for $1 and sell them for two. But as soon as that turns into an equation that, that is a lab, I'm figuring out how to make things for $1 or I need to do certain things to that. Now you're putting yourself in danger of raising that equity capital, giving away a portion of the company, not being able to grow your valuation and worse yet, continuing to play that lab game. And the longer you play that lab game, the harder it is to continue to raise capital, right? The more you know ownership you lose, right? I'm not saying it, there's not a good place for that. Um, but I think what I talk to, you know, what we see a lot at SMBX are businesses that have outsourced production, right? Uh, have raised, you know, two or $3 million, but they haven't converted that into assets on the balance sheet, right? There is a way to have a company that's growing and that isn't profitable, but you can't do it if your core operational equation doesn't work. And so you can lose half a million dollars a year if you buy a half a million dollars or $600,000, $700,000 worth of equipment, right? Because you're just taking that cash flow that came in and you're moving it on your balance sheet, right? From cash and keeping it in an asset. When you invest that cash and it doesn't produce more than what you're putting into it, you start to get into issues.
Yeah, and right. Oh, this is something that was um, that has changed. I think starting with like the dot com boom and everything else that's come after it. But it used to be an idea where you put in, you invest in an asset, and that asset has a a greater return on investment. That might take a year, five years to return, but like there's a return on that. And a lot of people now are investing in things that have a, a murky return, or they're like buying customers that wouldn't normally purchase again, but they're like kind of getting that initial attraction going, but everything will follow through after that. And it's something that I've been talking a lot about recently where I call it the uh, minimal viable company. So mm -hmm. a lot of people talk about like a minimal viable product where it's, how do I know that my product's successful? And I like to talk about the minimal viable company because what's the business model that's going to make your company successful to the point where you are able to cover your expenses, the people who are working on and in the business, and you're able to then grow at a incremental rate where you're made profitable on unit sales or everything else, but your kind of baseline is covered. And then you can choose how fast or slow you want to accelerate that growth. Maybe it's bringing in a lot of equity to do a lot of marketing. Maybe it's getting a loan to invest in now the inventory and core parts of your business. Um, but you can measure then what your assets are, what the investment is going to, and what that return is going to be. And a lot of people don't think about their company as being sustainable and don't really reach that point. <laughs> right. I think that the right answer is like going back to your original question is the best companies in the world leverage both equity and debt, right? No company that's ever grown has gone entirely on the equity side, right? And there are very few, plenty you know, but no company, I think that's really grown. If we're talking about that hundred million dollar, you know, $50 million company have done it entirely without equity, right? There's some, in, there are some exceptions there, right? I'm not saying that's not the case for, for everybody. Um, but figuring out when to use both is like critical, right? If I have a supplier contract with Whole Foods that I know is six months away, um, and I have the opportunity of selling equity now to be able to go execute on the production I need to prove out to Whole Foods I have that and to earn that contract versus debt. You know, you have a really strategic decision of, is my, this investment going to grow my valuation and how much is my equity going to be worth? I can't give you a checkbox of when to use equity and when to use debt, right? That's what CFOs and financial planners and all these like crazy folks who are really great with numbers are. Um, but I think too often, I think we all fall in love with this dream of like, I'm going to go raise venture capital rounds till I die, right? I'm going to go raise two, and then I'm going to raise five, and then I'm going to raise 50. And, and this is just going to go and go and go where, um, you know, especially in CPG, where, you know, your business is probably not going to be profitable for the initial piece. You know, the businesses that we really invest in on the SMBX platform are like folks who can understand the stepping stones. I'm at a farmer's market myself selling my product right? That I can see there's a profitable return there, right? Your time is, and your, what you're producing is creating, you know, a business that's sustainable. Otherwise you wouldn't keep going to the farmer's market and selling if you were walking away with less, you know, than that was there. Then that next stage is, you know, moving into that brick and mortar for an example, right? Or maybe getting your first, you know, brick and mortar store for distribution, right? That might not be a Safeway or a Whole Foods or a grocery outlet. It may end up being, just the corner store, the corner coffee store, right? Or a uh, great example is I was working with a, a protein bar manufacturer and they just went to the local climbing gyms and that was their first production run, right? And that started this in addition to the uh, farmer's market. Well, now they had their first store and that they needed to grow their production, 
right? And so it's these little pieces of organic paths towards being able to grow until you get to the point where saying, I need to add climbing gyms every week. Now that's when I would really throw in an equity investment because you found a place to distribute your product. You know how to grow that production, right? And you can invest in the business. I love that. And I think one thing as well about just this crowdfunding idea that's really powerful is being able to turn your customers into brand advocates where they're marketing the product for you. They spread the word of mouth because they are invested literally in your success, not just figuratively, right? Well, we're, we're obsessed with t-shirts at SMBX. Like I think t-shirt, like one of the things that tech did, right. Was like the idea to put your logo on a t-shirt that your, that your employees wear uh, is so much brand distribution organically. And so one of the questions I ask folks is it's not how many people follow you on Instagram or repost your stuff. It's like, how many people are wearing your t-shirts and your hats? How many people love your brand so much that they want to wear that into work, right? Or take it when they drop off their kids at school or just hang out and wear it like at home because they, they feel that affinity. I'm actually wearing one right now. It's like this restaurant in DC. Um, but that is like a sign to me of brand loyalty more so than somebody who has 38,000 followers, but like a hundred likes, right? On each photo they post. Um, and I think that equity and crowd investing and debt crowd investing have an amazing opportunity for you to increase that relationship and, and have folks who want, like, if I'm invested in a business, hell yeah, I want to wear their stuff, which is a, a new revenue stream, right? That could be awesome for me, right? Get a bunch of $15 t-shirts and sell them for 30 bucks. Right. But at the same time, you get that free brand distribution. People are going to ask about it, especially if it's a cool shirt. And now you're starting conversations with your most loyal followers and your most loyal advocates. Like, it's better than a Google review. It's a walking. Well, the other thing I know we talked about before, right? So if you're doing uh, dead crowdfunding, if you can get your customers to invest, you know, you're paying them back their, you know, principal plus interest. And you're then able to ask them like, hey, you've actually like made money by supporting us. Why don't you take that money and like buy a t-shirt from us or buy like more product from us? You can almost create like a customer cycle where they feel like, oh, I'm actually getting like free money to like buy your product. You know, I'm getting investment to come back and buy your product that I love already. And it's driving more like sales and it creates this great like pinwheel effect for you. That's a great example. We see it all, all the time, right? Where I go back and I talk to businesses and one, people discover them through an equity crowdfunding platform or a debt crowdfunding platform, and then they end up buying their product, right? It, it can result in customer acquisition from the get-go just by doing it. But two, I think, especially on the debt side, I always ask this question, like, why pay interest to a bank? What does that do for your company other than provide access to capital? And the answer is nothing, right? The bank doesn't notice when you make a monthly payment. They have yeah. no yeah. idea that it came through. Even the per, even your loan officer, right, does not notice. Probably does not notice if your monthly payment is on time or not. Now, you convert that interest that you're paying to a bank and that principal that's going out every week, or excuse me, every month, and you pay that to retail investors, to your customers, to your friends and family. And you just create this marketing expense that's being used somewhere else that not only provides you access to capital, but then also, right, drives customer loyalty and LTV lift, right, and referrals. And like catering events is a great example, right? If you're a beverage company, you're paying somebody 20 bucks a month and somebody's saying, oh, I wonder like, um, you know, I, I have a wedding. 
I have a wedding coming up. And I'm like, I want to stock my wedding with people who have been on SMBX, right? One, because I work there and I just think it's awesome. But two, I think that's applicable to people's customers, right? If you stay yeah. top of mind and every month on the 20th or on the 10th, you're getting a payment from your favorite CPG brand, like Superbelly Ferments, like you're going to be like, let's have their salad dressing be our salad dressing at our catering event, right? Or maybe their customer is like, you should use these folks, right? Put the little trinket in, you know, in wedding gift baskets. All I these love that. Well, just like remind me real quick. So I have a, a store for Goofy brands and it's on Shopify. Whenever we get a sale, my phone like dings with the like, oh, you got an order. And, you know, I joke with my wife. She's just like money, like money coming in. Right. And you could almost create something similar as well. Like every time you're paying, you know, your, um, the the retail investors in there and your customers right like you make it fun you make it like a celebration like hey we're paying you and then that just builds this like loyalty that you can't get anywhere else like what brands really give back that much to their customers and it's a way of kind of giving back and building that loyalty so absolutely love exactly it. Right. like on a psychological level again disclaimer yeah. i'm not a psychologist <laughs> i studied a little bit like not not enough to, to know anything but like there's an endorphin release whenever you get money right yeah. There's only two times in most people bank, most people's bank accounts where that goes up. And it's like your paycheck. There's no, everything else is outgoing, outgoing, outgoing. Imagine you are a deposit, right? The only other deposit that's like 20 bucks a month, right? Cause somebody invested a thousand dollars in your customer's bank accounts. That's repeatable and as reliable as their paycheck is. And like, you're just training them to, on the 20th, know that's coming, have a little endorphin release. And just like you said, it's like, it's money, except it's yeah. <laughs> money from my favorite CPG brand. Like, what could be better? Like you can't, even when they get your product, right? There probably isn't that amount of endorphin release. I actually shouldn't say that. I'm sure they're amazing. <laughs> but like, there's an amazing opportunity there where if you have like this debt with a bank, like you're just kind of wasting this opportunity to engage folks. Ben, so many great tips there. Thanks so much for being on today. Love our conversation. Um, I'll share in the show notes if you want to get in touch with Ben or learn more about SMBX, um, where to do that. Uh, but thanks so much and have a great rest of the day. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.